Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Press Row. It is a Tuesday morning here in Seattle, bright and early. Uh, doing well. It's pretty quiet here. As I put on Twitter yesterday, we got the news that the kids' school was in, in school sessions have now been officially canceled till the end of the year. God help us all, if you believe in a God, if summer camps get canceled too. Uh, not quite sure what exactly we're going to do. Um, starting to go a little back crazy here, but doing okay. Happy to report that uh, everybody is healthy. I think we've actually now got to the point where we all know somebody, or at least know somebody who knows somebody who has had it. Um, in my case, uh, one I've known two people who've had it, one survived, one not so much. Uh, unfortunately, I think that is going to be more and more the case. Very happy to be joined this morning um, by James Duthie, TSN's James Duthie, who is usually everywhere and is now not always everywhere, but is everywhere a lot of the time. James, how are you? I'm good, Jonah. Thank you for asking. It's uh, it's awesome to talk to you. Um, see your act. I can actually see you, and it's it's the first time I've ever seen you not in a suit. I actually thought like you rolled out of bed and put on a suit. It, it's it's great to see. <laughs> yes, this has been the uh, one of the uh, results of what we've been doing now, the entire wardrobe uh, situation, which uh, I've been wearing. I've continued to wear jackets for insider trading. Uh, we get we lost the ties, but continue to wear jackets, and I, I sort of get that because people are used to seeing us that way, and it would be a little, little weird to see, you know, suddenly Bob wearing a Zeppelin T-shirt and LeBron is in a tank top for insider trading would be weird for people. But I have argued, and my bosses have been very good about. Uh, I've been doing interviews as well, and uh, when I'm doing an interview with you know, Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid or something, and they're wearing a hoodie, I it feels a little weird if you're sitting here in a, in a jacket and a, and a dress shirt and a tie. I think people are pretty smart at home. They realize I have not been out of sweatpants uh, in three weeks now. That's my go-to is I rotate between about six pairs of sweatpants. And I can guarantee you that any of the insiders or Rod Smith on SportsCenter, uh, that no one is wearing dress pants underneath. And I think our audience is pretty uh, wise enough to realize that. So it's, it's, kind of ridiculous I think wearing jackets and when, when everybody knows there's sweatpants on the bottom but we have to have some form of decorum yeah it's funny I have not we were about as, as I think I told you earlier we're about two weeks ahead of everyone else here in Seattle I have not put on a pair of socks in a month uh, <laughs> even when I go out for a walk like I'm not I don't know why but for whatever reason that that's been my one consistent is I've not put on a pair of socks in like literally a month I know I know it's time to do laundry when I look in the drawer and all I have left are socks. Yeah, I live in Aurora, north of Toronto, and uh, your climate's a little bit better than us in uh, late March and early April. So I've had, uh, I have not, not had socks on, <laughs> so, but it's coming. So most importantly, everybody in your house, uh, keeping well, no, no, uh, no challenges. You've got lots of food, cleaning supplies, figured out how to get some toilet paper. <laughs> we actually have not done that. We, uh, we did not load up. I was not going to partake in that uh, disaster of uh, people racing and pushing over each other for toilet paper in the weeks before. Uh, that was one thing I said to my wife, we are not doing that. And she announced to me about two days ago that we were down to our last three or four rolls 
So uh, I had a neighbor give me a little pack of six, but I am going to have to venture out. I have not ventured out yet. We've been picking up groceries curbside at the grocery store we use. Um, but I'm going to have to make some sort of trek to try to find uh, toilet paper and paper towel and all those things. But we're fine. We live in a, a house on a little on a small street in a small town. And uh, we've been really lucky with everything. I have my 16 year old and 18 year old daughters both home, the daughter from university, the other in high school. Uh, my 20 year old son is still at university living with his uh, buddies and they're just doing schoolwork and playing video games and uh, are gonna come home in a couple of weeks. But uh, no, we've been very fortunate and have nothing to complain about. So back in the day when we all had blackberries, there was this thing going around about phantom vibrations in the pocket like the things used to vibrate so often that even when you didn't have your phone on you used to actually feel like it was right. going off i would imagine that your cell phone whatever device you're using is always buzzing beeping and dinging uh is it weird these days not having it go off and as much uh well i'm better i that's probably dregs and and bob and lebron and you know elliot those chris johnson those guys on the other side I think they have to have it surgically attached to them most of the time. I'm a little bit different. And uh, my wife keeps me uh, regimented at home where I try to leave it. I don't like to have it on me a lot. I still look at, I still check my phone a lot, but I try to, you know, put it in another room for four hours a day or something like that. So I never had that, but I do remember the Blackberry days of those and I have not been having any, uh, <laughs> have, I haven't had any vibrations in my pants. That sounds very weird to say. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's good to hear that all is well. That is certainly the most important. And I think, um, uh, you know, I think we shall get through this one way or the other. It's not just a matter of, of when and how, but I think we shall, which is, which is good. So, um, you were born in Ottawa, is that right? Correct. And you went to Carleton. It's funny, like your your career is incredible. Like it, it's really unbelievable when you look when you look and and try and do some research on you. Think about all the events that you've covered, the, the public figures who you've interviewed, the number of shows. Um, did I mean? It's obviously, the easy question is: Did you ever imagine we would be having this type of discussion? <laughs> like, I'm sure there's now it's lots of time to reflect. Yeah. On, on your career. Um, what do you think? Uh, no, I mean, never even close. Uh, I was born in Ottawa, but I didn't stay there all the way. My dad was RCMP officer. And so when I was little, I left Ottawa 10 months and uh, was in Edmonton for a year, then Halifax and then Victoria. He kept getting transferred all across the country, but ended up back in Ottawa for you know, middle school, high school, et cetera, and stayed and went to Carleton. And uh, you know, it was a different time back then where the world felt smaller. And my world, I lived in this little middle-class neighborhood called Blackburn Hamlet in the east end of Ottawa. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, there was no TSN, there was no internet. And the six o'clock sportscast on the local CTV station, which was called CJOH, that was basically your connection to sports. And, you know, the games that you would watch on weekends that weren't on nearly as much every game was it's hard for people today to even grasp this but not every game was on tv you might get one midweek hockey game hockey game on a saturday night you know baseball games on maybe on a sunday or whatever but all i wanted when i fell in love with sports as a kid and started growing up and whenever i was i guess old enough to start to think about life all i wanted to be 
was the guy on the six o'clock sports cast in Ottawa. There was a guy named Brian Smith, who was a former NHL player who would do the six o'clock sports and Bill Patterson, who would do the 11 o'clock sports. And to me, those guys were the biggest stars in sports casting, right? Because those were the guys you would see every single day and night. And when I got to high school and even early in university, I said to myself, if I could ever get that job and be the local guy in Ottawa doing the sports every night, that would be the wildest upon wildest of dreams. And so I never even thought outside of that. I never thought about nationally. I guess I, you know, I always, my dream was kind of to do, my initial dream would be to do play-by-play. I was one of those geeks at 13, 14 years old who would turn down the volume on my TV and do play-by-play for NFL games and CFL games and hockey games. And, uh, but I never actually thought about doing it full-time for a living, I suppose, until somewhere in the middle of university. So that's a long-winded way of saying I, I, I never thought about doing Olympics and Stanley Cup finals and Masters and Super Bowls and things like that. And so, so you grow up, you kind of move around, and you end up at Carleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you doing sports broadcasting while you were there or any type of broadcasting while you were there? So, uh, you know, Carleton was, did not have any sort of sports courses. Uh, you were able to, we would put together a newscast or whether you were writing for the, the paper that we produced or doing radio hits, you were allowed to choose your story. So I would always gravitate towards the sports stories within there. I think somewhere there exists some beta tape of me doing a, a sports cast in with my uh, Corey Hart spiked hair <laughs> in whatever that year was, 1989 or something. Um, but it was a, you know, it was a journalism focused course and there weren't a lot of jobs. I ended up getting my first job out of, I did, I'm trying to think here if I did radio sports. No, I did radio news at Carleton and then I was able to get a job. I was very lucky. I got a job while I was still in fourth year at that same CTV station. I was telling you about the CTV Ottawa station as a news reporter. And I ended up doing news for the first seven years of my career, doing murders and fires and politics and all those things. Um, it was always my second choice. I wanted to do sports first, but there just weren't the jobs back then. TSN, if it was born at that point, was just in its infancy. And so basically you had two sports anchors at every station in Canada, most of whom had been there for a long time and there weren't many jobs. And so I took the first job that I could in television. And, and, uh, I always say, and if I'm talking to young broadcasting students, do not be afraid of news because I really think I owe news most of my career because I think a, it gives you perspective on where sports lies in the world. Um, B it teaches you how to be a much better writer because you were doing something different every day. When you're a news reporter, you basically walk in there every day and you get a completely different job. One, you're at a fire one day and you have to learn everything you can about the circumstances of that. You're covering some hokey fluffy, a county fair the next day, you're on Parliament Hill the next day, and your, your job is to learn as much as you can about one particularly thing on that day, and then it's something different the next day. So I, I think you get much more rounded, not only as a person, but all, also in your abilities as a broadcaster. So I don't think I would have been able to um, have whatever success I've had in sportscasting without my time in news. Yeah, you're being pretty modest though, because you were pretty damn good at it. Like you won an, an Edward Murrow award for reporting for your work in Ottawa. Um, right. I want to hear a funny story for that. We, uh, it was a, it was a, a series I did. That was my first baptism to, uh, 
uh, award shows, we flew out to LA because they had, it was like the Edward R. Murrow Awards were kind of like the Emmys of news without any of the attention. Nobody really cared except us reporters. And so I flew out with my boss and I brought my, my girlfriend who became my wife with me, rented a tux, you know, flew to LA for this thing. And in the middle of the ceremony, I was sitting next to my boss and I leaned over to him and I'd worked on this speech for about three weeks. And I said, how long, do you know how long I have to speak? And he said, uh, you're not going up there, I am. <laughs> and so he went up and gave a speech and I sat there going, why the hell did I fly all to LA and spend a grand or whatever to, uh, to not give a speech? So that was my baptism to you, you really don't matter. Yeah, but you know, you had to be doing something pretty, I mean, that's not a small award. I'm, I'm not talking about the actual award. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you for that. I, uh, no, I appreciate that. It did, uh, at the time, it, uh, it, uh, it, was a, it was a really nice honor. I'm sure it meant more to my parents than it did to me. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, news, was, news was a lot of fun. And it, it's funny, back then, I can remember my boss, uh, not the same guy, another guy uh, pulling me outside. Our, our station and saying to me, forget these dreams you have of doing sports. Uh, and he, I'll paraphrase here because I can't remember exactly, but he said, sports is a dead end street. You need to position yourself to get to the Middle East and become a national correspondent for CTV or CBC or one of the American networks. That's what you should be looking at. And I remember thinking in my head, well, that sounds all nice, but I don't want to be in the Middle East. That's I have a ton of respect for people who do that, but that's not what I wanted. I wanted to be at games. That was my passion. And so when I you know, finally got the opportunity to do sports, a lot of people in news told me, oh, you're making a mistake to do this. And I, I don't know if there's some lesson deep in there to, that you have to follow your own, your own passions and your own instincts because, uh, and there were times, there were times, I guess, I guess when big news stories happened, I, I would think to myself, hmm, you know, uh, what would it be like if I was still in the news business? But uh, no, I obviously have no regrets. You, you've, you've got to do something you love. And I, I didn't love news. I can remember a day there was a, a car accident. It was uh, three, three football players. And I played, played football in high school and three football players died driving somewhere between Ottawa and Montreal. And I was asked to, to go to the, to the house of one of the parents to pick up a photo, which just happens on a day-to-day -day basis in news. And I can remember walking to that door and it was the mom who answered the door and, and she was incredibly kind. You know, you're standing there as a reporter saying, I, your, your son has passed away two or three days ago and you're asking them for a photo. And I felt like the lowest scum of the earth doing that and she was she was super nice and gave it to me but so heartbroken and and I walked away going I don't want to do this anymore I just it's not in me to be surrounded by negativity and uh, like I said I have the utmost respect for news reporters particularly in a time like this where I think journalism is incredibly important but the negativity is something that worked well with me and you know sports can have negative moments but in general it's an always positive environment, right? And I think that just fitted my personality a lot better. So you're at CTV, late 90s. Um, how do you end up at TSN? 1998, you end up at TSN. How does that happen? Okay, so 
two things happened at once. CJOH was a great place to work in Ottawa. And I saw a lot of people who spent their entire careers there. Max Keeping was the anchor. He was a wonderful guy. Um, there's, a, there's a cup. This is a bit of a long-winded story. I'll try to keep it short. But those two anchors that I told you about, Brian Smith had been the longtime sports anchor there. And um, Brian in, I, I want to say 1995 now, but I may have the year wrong. Brian was shot walking out of our station uh, by a schizophrenic uh, shot in the head. And I had filled in in the sports department during that time. Um, Carolyn Waldo, the former synchronized swimmer, had also worked there, wonderful person. And uh, she had taken maternity leave a couple of times. So I'd filled in and got a taste of sports, but I was still a, a news reporter. And so when Brian was shot, uh, I was out in Halifax on vacation. And, and Billy, who was the other sportscaster, was a mess. Obviously, everybody was a mess. And I flew back and, and did the 6 o'clock sportscast that night, which was my first time doing the 6 o'clock sportscast. Uh, and Brian was an incredible mentor to me. I would go finish my news reports and go hang out in the back of the newsroom and listen to Brian and Billy tell stories. That's what I did essentially every single day at CJOH. So uh, here's the most shocking event you could imagine, particularly in a city like Ottawa where things like that didn't happen. And Brian unfortunately passed away. And that's when I moved into the sports department. So Billy became the six o'clock anchor. I became the 11 o'clock anchor. And it was very incredibly odd and strange to have dreamt of doing something your entire career. You know, I told you about growing up in Ottawa and watching these two guys and then getting your break in the most horrific way possible. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me. And so as much as I love the next year and a half, I, I love my time there working with Billy and Carolyn, but it really ate away at me that this is how it had happened. So it never really felt, it never really felt right. So I made a decision that I was going to leave and sort of take another job somewhere that I couldn't stay there. And uh, a, new, a new station was starting in Vancouver. So I applied for the station in Vancouver and right around the same time, I got a call from Keith Pelly, who was then the head of TSN, who is now the head of the European Golf Tour. And he had seen me. I don't know if he'd been in Ottawa or something. It was the opening of the Senator's uh, building in Canada. And I was doing a live hit. And I was doing a tour of the dressing room. And I think I talk about this in my book, but it was the weirdest conversation because Keith calls me and he says, hey, uh, I really like that live hit you did. And I said, okay. And he goes, uh, I really like your jeans. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, yeah, I really like your jeans. I was like, this is the creepiest thing anybody's ever said to me. But I think what he meant was back then everybody was wearing suits and such. And I was wearing, I don't know, I was wearing a jacket and a dress shirt and jeans. And he liked the casual look, I guess. And so those jeans, I guess, got me an audition at TSN. So I go for an audition at TSN at the same time. I've, I've gotten this offer for a job in Vancouver and I'm trying to decide what to do. And uh, Keith ended up calling me and saying, we, we can't give you the job right now. Uh, it was an anchor job, I think, Weekend Sports Center, and they gave it to Lisa Bose, who was then a reporter at TSN. Yep. And so I took the job in Vancouver, and I, all I said to Keith said, I, I really want to hire you at some point. I just can't hire you now. And I said, uh, okay, but just don't call me in a year or something. I want to go out and live in Vancouver for a couple of years and have that experience living on the West Coast. And he called me in six months and offered me the job hosting uh, CFL and NBA. So that's kind of the way it went. 
And I went to back to news, by the way. The, the job I had in Vancouver was back to being a news reporter. So I left doing sports in Ottawa to do news in Vancouver again, uh, just because I needed a change. So you come to Toronto, now you're covering two sports that you certainly aren't well known for. Mm-hmm. People think about, I, I'm sure you hate the word, but when people think of the James Duthie brand, they don't necessarily think about CFL football. Oh, maybe they do. You've done a lot of great cups, but right. they certainly don't think about the Raptors. Um, certainly not back in those days. No. Well, I did do the NBA final last year. Uh, right. but yeah, you're right. And uh, I had always been a CFL guy. That was uh, my thing growing up was to go to Ottawa Rough Rider games with my parents. Uh, I've talked about that endlessly, but that was my first passion. I loved all football, CFL, NFL equally. But so the CFL part of it was really cool to me. And uh, particularly my dad, I think that was one of the proudest moments of, of, of his life because he was just worshipped the CFL. And for his son to be able to host the CFL, that was a really proud moment to be able to call him and, uh, and tell him that. And the NBA was just, you know, worked, worked opposite the seasons of the CFL. But it, it was a really cool time for me to do that because that was my first year was also Vince Carter's first year in the league. So the Raptors were just becoming a thing. I was able to cover that, uh, that slam dunk contest in Oakland, yeah. which is still top five in my career in, in highlights, just being there for that. Um, so I really love that. Uh, I did that, I guess, for two, three years where I did NBA and CFL. And you're right, people don't remember that probably at all. I know when I did the NBA finals last year, I was lucky enough to come on board with Chris Bosch and supplement our coverage to Rod and Leo and, and the guys. And uh, uh, I know no, nobody remembered that I actually hosted <laughs> NBA for the first three years of my career at TSN. All right. So you can take a deep breath here for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a t-shirt, you're in a t-shirt. Uh, I'm gonna to talk to you a little bit about a new favorite brand of mine called True Classic Tees. Uh, they, they've one of our sponsors. Style is changing, formal wear is out, unless of course you're hosting a TSN show at night uh, that they'd like you to be wearing a four. I, I don't know why they just don't go black tie because um, that'd be about as appropriate right now. The t-shirt is definitely in. Uh, True Classic Tees are my favorite. They're based in LA, a t-shirt company that's on the rise. They're soft, they hold up in the wash, and they're incredibly versatile. You can wear them out, not that you're going out unless you're going to the grocery store with a ski mask. You can wear them to work out, which we're hopefully we're all doing, or around the house. Um, and I think we're going to be around the house a lot for the next little while. The best part is they're really cheap. They start at 15 bucks, and now you can get them for even less. Go to trueclassictees.com and use code BLEAV for 20% off. That's believe BLEAV at trueclassictees.com. So you'd be surprised to know. Uh, you want me to give you a second so you can go to the website and place your order now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not surprisingly, people still have the itch to, uh, to have some fun and, 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 and bet. Uh, while you're waiting this out at home, there are still things to bet on at betonline.ag. No, there's no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball. You might think that there's nothing to bet on, but there are hundreds of things to place wagers on. Yes, if you if you have that itch, uh, we did a podcast about handicapping those things last week. Um, without traditional sports, there are things still to bet on. There's eSports, American Idol, Big Brother, The Elections, the spelling bee, and yes, the $750,000 poker series. They're still fun to be had at betonline.ag. Use the promo code MYPOD100, that's M-Y-P-O-D, the number 100, to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. 
betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100, your online wagering experts. Yeah. Can you imagine betting on something like the spelling bee? Well, isn't there things like American Idol and uh, those Big Brother shows, that just seems right for uh, some sort of scandal, right? Because there are inside people who must know. Oh, I guess American Idol has live, live. those are shows with live finales. I was going to say, Eddie, I, I remember being at the, at the Super Bowl this year, and, you know, the, one of the big prop bets is how long the anthem goes, right? Yep. And who was it this year? Uh, Demi Lovato, I believe. Yep. Uh, either she was doing the anthem or God Bless America. I can't remember which. And we were doing our hits outside the stadium, and Demi was doing a rehearsal on the Saturday. And I said, I can time this. And I could tip off. I'm not a gambler myself. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I could tip off all my guys. To, I will have the answer right now. Right. Yeah. But I only got like the second half of the song. And I'm like, she really hung on the last note a lot. So I, I called a couple of my, uh, I think it was Carlo Koliakovo, <laughs> who, who was wondering, he said, hey, you got any insight on any of the prop bets? You know, the color of the Gatorade or anything? And I'm like, I just know that Demi Lovato holds her last note for a long time. And then she ended up going like 15 seconds under. So I think if Carlo bet, he lost a lot of money and was really sour at me. Yeah, I found the challenge are actually knowing when the start point was. Like, when do we actually start the ticker? <laughs> I think it's when the first hum comes out of her oh. out of her mouth. Yes. Okay, good to know. So, you know, so you get out of basketball, you get out of not really out of, but you 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 at some point your focus becomes hockey. the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. um, I had a little sports uh, center stint in the middle. I went, uh, I, I went to do sport the evening back then. Remember the ten o'clock or the it was the eleven o'clock sports center was the show back then, right? It seems so foreign now. I, I think you know to Jay and Dan's credit, when they came along, they sort of made the two a.m. show, and people's viewing habits changed somewhat. And shows started starting earlier at ten and nine thirty. But back in the day, the eleven o'clock sports center was was really the thing, and. I got to do that with uh, Rod Smith for about a year, which was fantastic. He's amazing. And then I got to do it with Dutchie for about a year. And I just laughed every night uh, at, at Dutch, who just makes the most hilarious comments, some very offside, but he was just hilarious. So I had about, I think, a year and a half or two years of doing that before we got the hockey rights back. And did you, like, was it something you had to apply for? Did you have to audition for or you just landed the gig? No, uh, it was a, another kind of crazy story. I'll try to keep it short, but uh, I didn't even apply. And I loved hockey, but uh, my dream back then still was to do football play-by-play. -play. If I, you know, little 14-year-old James in his basement watching games, uh, that stayed with me. And I would, had a chance to do some play-by-play. -play. While I was hosting SportsCenter, I got to do a handful of NBA games and a handful of CFL games. Uh, probably 10 each, maybe. Yep. And I really liked doing it. And, and frankly, I don't know if I was great at it. I don't know that I had the, um, I don't know that I had the voice. And, you know, guys like Chris Cuthbert don't necessarily have like Rod Smith's voice, but Chris is just one of the best in the world, just the way he calls a game. So I don't know if I was any good at it. I think I did okay. I wasn't an embarrassment. But yep. I, I don't, and I would, I still, there's part of me that says, and if you'd have kept doing that, could you have gotten really good at it? And I don't know the answer to that. Maybe it wasn't my thing. Um, but so I never even applied for the hockey. I didn't really understand office politics or anything. I, when we got the rights back, I was still in my mind thinking, okay, I'm going to do CFL play-by-play, -play, maybe some NBA play-by-play. -play. 
And uh, we hired uh, Keith Pelly, who was still the boss back then, had a different vision on doing hockey. I don't know how much of this you remember, but it was going to be like MTV, where yeah. we had bands playing in the studio and puppets and monkeys. And we had oh, a, you, have, you got that part. In that there. Part yeah. And uh, they hired uh, a woman named Linda, who was, uh, I'd actually worked with in Vancouver at the same station, uh, who was really talented. She did a morning show and uh, some of the weather out there. And she was going to be the host of hockey. And then, I don't know, two days before the season, it, it wasn't working in the sense of maybe she wasn't comfortable uh, with everything. They weren't 100% comfortable. And I think sort of together they said maybe she wasn't ready quite for that role just yet. And so literally I was on a golf weekend with my friends in the Muskoka and I got a call from uh, my boss, Rick Chisholm, uh, who said, can I come to your house tonight? And Rick and I had a really good working relationship, but he'd never wanted to come to my house, right? <laughs> and so I'm driving back from this golf trip going, why does my boss want to come to my house? And this is Sunday night, and the season starts, I believe, on Tuesday, and possibly Wednesday, or one or the other. And uh, so I kind of started to put two and two together a little bit that something might be up. And uh, he came to my house, and we went for a walk, and he said, I want you to host hockey. And uh, so I had a real decision to make in basically about 15 minutes. And it, like I said, it had never been my dream to host hockey as much as I love hockey. Mm. Uh, but the appeal, you know, I still love hockey a ton and the appeal of hosting a national hockey broadcast uh, was something that was too hard to pass up. And so obviously I took that job and, uh, and, you know, certainly don't regret that at all. Looking back, it's, uh, it's, uh, been a great opportunity and a lot of fun so this may seem like a dumb question but hey i've asked plenty of those in the year over the years so you're okay <laughs> are you a sports fan I'm a, I'm a massive sports fan but it's funny i was having this conversation uh, with somebody the other day uh i think that by the nature of life and parenthood and maturity whatever that may be intellectual maturity that you are always a bigger fan when you are younger and i think i was explaining to a high school student i was talking to that when i was between the ages of let's say 17 and 28 or something i knew everything about everything college basketball college football all of the major sports heck cis football i watched everything and I was in all sorts of fantasy leagues and can tell you every baseball player's stats in the majors. And then you get married. And I have this kind of philosophy that uh, every time you have a child, you have to give up a sport. So when my son is born, I had to lose college basketball. <laughs> and then when my first daughter was born, I had to lose uh, baseball and, and so on and so forth. And so I think that, to be frank, you know more and you are more passionate back then. I'm still incredibly passionate about what I do and the events that I cover, but there's no way that I can have the, um, the knowledge that I had back then when you had time to watch every single game. And plus your interests change, right? You care more about the world and other things in the world. So uh, that's a long-winded way of saying, yes, I'm a massive sports fan still, but I don't think you can ever be the way you were and I, I, I probably knew more about all the sports back then. Now I focus on the sports that I cover. So I focus a lot on hockey. I focus on the CFL. 
on the NFL, uh, on the NBA, and on golf, which I cover for the Masters. But I've, I would be exposed. If I had to do baseball right now, I'll tell you right now, I, I'm a fair-weather fan that will watch the Jays when they're hot. I'll watch the playoffs in the World Series. But if you ask me to go through a, a, you know, the Baltimore Orioles lineup right now, I'd, I'd be completely exposed. It's just not my thing. And I, just, I don't think you have the ability to take all that and have a normal, balanced life and be a good father and a good husband. I was flipping around TV the other day, and uh, ESPN was running a 30 for 30, uh, which are phenomenal, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had the, the Belichick Parcells one on. I don't know if you've seen that. It's amazing. And my son sat down and watched it, and he was asking who these guys – I mean, he knew who Belichick was. He certainly didn't know who Parcells was. And we sat and watched it, and they start showing game highlights and interviewing players, and I knew every one of them. <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, who are you? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, when the Seahawks do something or something happens in the NFL, you say to me, who is that guy? Is he any good? Like, you don't know anybody. And here we are watching some random clip. You know who like the center of the Dallas Cowboys was. I'm like, I knew everybody that's, I mean, I don't know when the NFL expanded to 68 teams, but back when it was 30 something, I knew everybody. Um, but and yeah. I, you know, I have a great deal on, on that topic, Jonah. I have a ton of respect for the, you know, the afternoon drive guys, you know, a guy like Brian Hayes in, in, in my market who, uh, you know, he could, he could talk 20 different sports. And I, I think in many ways, those guys have to be the most knowledgeable sports people out there. Um, whereas I think if I was doing that at this point in time, I, I, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't put myself in that situation because I don't think I could do a great interview on the Jays or whatever that may be, because, uh, you know, I, that's just not my job. You can talk to me about hockey. You can talk to me about NFL and those other things. But sports that I don't know, I'm just going to admit that I don't know. How um, So if, if somebody said to you, assuming that you're not working that for a period, if somebody said to you, do you want to go watch a game? Mm -hmm. Like when was the last time you actually went as a fan to a sporting event? I'll, I'll go because my kids go. But I, I know where you're getting at there. I don't often – you know, often on Saturday night, I'll, you know, record the games and watch them the next day because I want to watch a movie with my wife. It's a night off. And I don't think it's the point where it's work for me. I do realize how, you know, I realize how ridiculously, incredibly lucky we are to sit in the studio, you know, next to some really knowledgeable hockey guys and watch hockey games for a living. It's not work. But you still need to break for it from it at times, for sure. And I always laugh at the people and I know the play-by-play -play guys get this more that think they're, uh, you know, they're for one team or against another team. We don't, we really don't care. And I can promise you the guys that, the O-Dog would be an exception. He loves the Leafs and that's why he's popular here is he, he wears it on his sleeve. But guys like Bob McKenzie, Darren Drager, myself, we don't care who wins. I care about things when it revolves around the network. If it helps, our, if it helps TSN, then I will cheer for that result. But I, I, for the most part, I don't care. There are a couple of exceptions, I'll tell you. When, uh, when the Ottawa Red Blacks won the Grey Cup, I guess three years ago or four years ago now, my dad was 85, and I know he didn't have that many years left. He passed away a year and a half ago. Uh, they were playing Calgary in Toronto in the Grey Cup, and I was the host for that game. And that was one of the games where, deep down inside, I broke some of the rules of journalism because I desperately wanted them to win, not for me, Mm -hmm. But for him, for him to have – Ottawa was a terrible football franchise all my years growing up, and they hadn't won 
in forever. And so to be able to, you know, pick up the phone and call my dad after I presented the Grey Cup to the head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks was one of the, you know, cool moments in my career. So there's little things like that uh, where, you know, it matters to me because it matters to him. But I, I really could care less. I don't have a favorite hockey team. I have a few sports. I still like the Niners. That was always my football team. So, you know, when I was at the Super Bowl this year, I, yeah, I wanted them to win. But I wasn't – I'm not at the age where I'm heartbroken anymore, crestfallen when they lose. Yeah. Um, how close are you to your colleagues socially, if at all? I would say we're really close, but not in the sense where I'm going to hang out with them every weekend because I see them every day. Right. Um, I would list them, a, a lot of them as some of my best friends in the world, but it's not like we hang out. You know, maybe I'll go to Bob's Cottage once every couple of years if I get the invite or I'll have a party here or Dregs will have a party, something like that. Uh, you know, a guy like O-Dog will call me every couple of days to talk about what we're watching, whether it's Netflix or a game on TV. Um, there's a lot of guys that and, and, and men and women at TSN that I would call really good friends, but not in the sense of the really good friends that we have in real life because we see each other all the time. So, you know, if I'm sitting next to Bobby Mack for three nights a week, we're probably not going to get together on Saturday and go for dinner. Right. And I think that's just kind of the nature of our, yeah. of our business. But uh, I think some of my best friends in the world are the people I work with for sure. It's funny because you hear often about partnerships on air, radio or mm -hmm. TV, who, who seem to really get along. But when the mic or camera's off, they have nothing to do with each other. It, it appears that, you know, the one thing that, not the one thing, one of the things that, that TSN slash Bell has going for it is the camaraderie, easy for me to say, at the, at the network. Uh, it seems like it's a much, it seems like it's a very, I mean, not right now, but a very happy collegial place to work, uh, both on air and off. I think you're 100% right, and people will probably hear this and think I'm blowing corporate smoke, but uh, I, in my 20 years now, I've been with the network, I guess 20, I started in 98, so more than that now, 21 years. I haven't had, you know, a blow up with anybody. Oh yeah, like Dregs and Bob, I'll have the odd you know, argument or something about some fact in a hockey thing, but I haven't, there's not one person that I haven't gotten along with on air and, and off air. It's, and I, I think you're right. That's one of the special things about our network is that I don't know if this happens organically or if uh, we give credit to the people that have hired, but there's, it's just really good people, really, really good people. You know, the one Landsberg stole my shoes once. It's a long story. I'm, I'm not going to tell in my early years at TSN and he took, we used to share a, dra a big dressing room and he took my shoes and I'm like, this Landsberg guy's a jerk. He stole my shoes. And then I got to know Landsberg. I'm like, Landsberg's a great guy. And I, I think people, he's a guy people misunderstand because in his off the record days, he kind of had to play the jerk on TV. That was part of the show, but off camera, he's, he's a wonderful, nice man. And so, no, I think, I think you're bang on. And particularly, I mean, I can speak to the panels. One of the fortunate things about my job is I get to, you know, I'm, I'm a hockey guy all year round, but I get to venture onto these other panels. Yep. So when TFC or if Vancouver ever makes it or Montreal makes it to the MLS cup, I get to hang out with Luke Wildman and Christian Jack and Stephen Caldwell for a week. And they're super nice guys. And then football playoffs come around and I get to 
hanging around with Rod Smith again and Matt Dunnigan and Milt Stiegel and all those guys. And they're super nice guys. And I, it's, that's the great treat for me. Bob Weeks, when I get to do the Masters, they're just all really nice people. And that makes it a pretty, uh, a pretty wonderful place to go to work. So when the rights, you talk about when you got the rights back. Now let's talk about when the rights went the other way. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of speak out there that you at least dated, you were at least contemplating going out for a date with the folks at Rogers. Mm-hmm. Um, how close did you come? Uh, not real close. I mean, it's not something I'm really comfortable talking about. I, I did write about it in my book yep. and uh, it seems so long ago right now. Um, there was certainly some uh there were conversations that were had, but uh, I will say this, that they never, there was never a, I, I went to Tia, it was it all happened really quickly. We were in Ottawa doing Daniel Alfredson's return, I think with Detroit to Ottawa, the same week that the rights thing went down. And uh, that was a very difficult week for us because we've been so proud of the product we did with the NHL on TSN for so many years. Um, but I, I made a decision pretty quickly that I wanted to stay for a lot of the reasons that we just talked about. If you, you know, if you sit there, when you have to make a decision pretty quickly and you sit there and you go, okay, am I happy with where I am? Yes. Do I like the people I work with? Yes. So then why, why would you leave a situation like that? And, uh, and so it was in, in that way, it was a, a fairly easy decision, but, as I said, there was never, I never had a contract put in front of me or anything like that. So, uh, I don't know. It seems strange to be talking about it six years later, whatever that may be. So blessing is a funny word, but you now have the benefit of hindsight. And that was a tough week because you thought you had a great product and you did have a great product. Do you think it's been a blessing in disguise not having the rights? And no, yes, of course, you'd rather be doing more Leaf games, national games, et cetera. Uh, but do you think knowing what you know now, Corona notwithstanding? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't say that. Be, uh, if I said, if, if, if I said yes to that question, then I think that that would be, the connotation of that would be too negative towards a lot of people I respect at, at Sportsnet and Rogers. Right. Um, and I have a, a lot of friends over there who I think do terrific work. And so obviously there've been challenges when you make that big of financial commitments. I, I will only speak to it from the TSN end of yeah. it is, I, I think that in that, in that circumstance, it's worked, it's worked out well for us because I think in, in the beginning, the fear was, oh, TSN's lost hockey. What will they do? This will be the demise of TSN. And the reality was, you know, in no time we had 50 Jets regional games, and 50 Sens regional games, and 26 Leafs games, and, and Habs games, and the World Juniors, and the World Women's Championship, and the World Men's, and the Under-18. We had more hockey than we ever did before. And, yeah, I know it's not, it's not the National Hockey League on a national basis. And, you know, there were times that still bothered me. And, but, uh, and if you ask, this, you ask this question to me, so in, in a selfish way, as I told you, when I got into this business, I was a fan of all sports. I, I never grew up just wanting to be a hockey host or a hockey play-by-play guy, which a lot of guys in this country did. As much as I loved hockey, I wanted to do other things. And 
Um, one of the, for me personally, when I, when the world changed after the rights deal happened, I was able, it freed me up to be able to do some other events, which they were nice enough to ask me to do, like be involved in the CFL again and be involved in the Super Bowl and the Masters and some of those things. And so suddenly I think my world became more interesting that, yep. that I got to do those other things as well. And uh, I've really, really loved that. I, I, you know, I'm, it's master's week this week, as you and I are talking, I really miss that. I, I have perspective that it's not important in the world. And, uh, but that was always one of my favorite weeks of the year, just because it was the beginning of everything. The Stanley cup playoffs were starting and baseball was, was starting and the masters is just such a cool event to cover. So being able to cover that and the, and the CFL and soccer here and there and the NBA finals when it happened, I, if that hadn't happened, if we'd gotten the rights, I probably would have never gotten to do all those things. Yep. I wouldn't have been in Oakland last year sitting next to Chris Bosch watching the Raptors win the title. I wouldn't have been in Augusta last year watching Tiger pull off that comeback. And so I feel incredibly lucky um, that happened. I don't know if I answered your question right, but that's – and I just think for TSM – yeah, in general, it has worked out well. I, I think for sure it has worked out well uh, that we've we've done a lot better than I think people might have thought we were going to do. Um, but as I said, I I want everybody to be successful. Yeah, it's ridiculous to be in this business and want failure on anyone. Uh, I want I want it to be a healthy business all around. Um, so I I really do want everybody to thrive and. It, it bothers me that something like this happens that is probably going to, you know, cost people jobs at various levels. So we're going to, we're going to transition very quickly to a couple of quick questions for you. But you know, to me, that has always been, I don't want to paint with a very broad brush, but that's always been the biggest difference between the two networks. There were always folks at the other network, not, not everybody who on, even on air would, would, would bash TSN. I never, I never saw it or heard it the other way. Um, but lots of on-air folks did not, and, and especially on the radio side, um, did not appreciate the, how good competition was for business and having another viable station in your market, so to speak, by having a second station that is good for, for employment purposes and salaries and jobs. Um, I never saw that out of TSN as much as I did at a, at a, at a Rogers. That, that's just my own. Well, that, 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 that may be the case. But I'll tell you that, you know, a lot of the guys, uh, I play golf with a lot of Rogers guys. David Amber is one of my best buddies. Uh, Sean McKenzie, Bob's son, is, uh, is one of my best golf buddies. I played a lot with Kipper and Elliot and guys like that. And, uh, you know, there's obviously, there's going to be a rivalry. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not naive. You, you know, you don't want to beat people and still on, you know, trade deadline day yeah. and free agent frenzy days. But I have a lot of respect for an awful lot of people over there. So, yeah. uh, all right, really quickly. Well, well yeah. your version of the quiz master. Uh, hardest person, I'm not going to say person you'd like the least, but hardest person to interview. Berkey. But not really. I mean, that was, that's a bit of a, a miss. I know, I'm sorry, it's supposed to be a fast question. Berkey and I were doing an act essentially for 10 years. Like he would come on trade deadline, give me one word answers to every question. And then when we got off the air, he text me and go, that was great TV. <laughs> Everybody thought we hated each other, but uh, so worst person to interview yet. It was still kind of fun for me. You said worse. I said hardest. Let's be clear okay. on that. Okay, um, 
Easiest. Easiest person to interview? Yep. So we're talking not like my panelists, just people on Paul Maurice, only because I just did him yesterday. And as a coach, you know, and a guy who's been in TV, he just understands what you want in TV. So he speaks in sound bites and he's colorful and he just gets it. Favorite arena? Mm, Montreal. Favorite road city? Nashville. And if you could only cover one of the big events, what would the big event be? Oh, man. Probably the World Juniors. I mean, my, the World Juniors is my favorite event every year. But that's tough with the Masters as well. But the World Juniors, I just think it means so much to Canadians. And it's uh, my favorite event on the calendar every year. And if you had to be uh, stuck at home with one of your one and only one of your panel members, which one would you like to be stuck with? It's funny. We asked this on the quiz last week. Uh, we asked the most likely and, and the most that you'd want to and the least that you'd want to. I had under the least uh, Jeff O'Neill. He'd be really fun for the stories, but after <laughs> about three days, no. Same with Ray Ferraro. Love the guy to death, but uh, uh, angry Ray would get to me after a while. Uh, the most, uh, gosh, any of the guys, I, I think I said, I said this on the quiz last week, Craig Button is very neat and tidy. I think he'd be clean. I have a feeling I'd wake up every morning and he'd have like a nice egg breakfast ready for me. So, uh, Button's up there, but, uh, you know, Bob Dregs, all those guys, I could handle any of the hockey guys really. And I would say, frankly, the easiest people to get along with in our crew are, are the women like Lindsay Hamilton, Natasha, Kate, Jennifer Hedger, Kara Waglin, Kayla Gray, all these people, Tessa Bonham, they're probably the nicest people in the station. But I think if you answer that way, it sounds like you're a creeper. So I'm not going to answer that way. Is there uh, anyone alive or past who you wish, who you'd love to interview or would have liked to have interviewed? Um, my, my, both my grandfathers were dead before I was born. And my, I, I learned later in life that my grandfather on my mother's side had a radio show in Ottawa, which I did not know. Um, and she tells me that a lot of my personality comes from him. Uh, so I would have really loved to be able to sit face to face with uh, my grandfather, who I never met, to see, you know, because my, my dad was a pretty quiet, stoic guy, a big, tough cop. And uh, I don't know where I got my idiocy from. So I'd like to think it was my grandfather. Well, thank you for doing this. I'll say that I saw your interview with Brendan Shanahan the other day. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, one of the things that always uh, amazing, I find most interesting is guys like that do a tour where they come out of their cave, so to speak, and they do a, you don't just hear from them once. Like right. you don't ever hear from them, but when you do, it's, he hits every station, every network. Right. And people's persona is just different with different, interviewers it just is and one's not better one's not worse it's just different but um you certainly that interview was special i thought it was really really incredible um, i appreciate you saying that i i, I think in, when you're doing things like that from people's houses the it's important to humanize people right we you, whether it's a gm or a president all you ever do in a normal life in a school Grum or a news conference has asked them questions about the, the job. Why did you sign this guy? Why did you hire this guy? 
why did you trade this guy? And in a situation like that, when we're all up against the same beast, uh, I think you want to know what they're watching on Netflix and what their kids are doing and see them as a father and a, and a husband and all those things. Well, it was a great interview as others are. I don't know the next time we'll see you covering live sports. Uh, I hope it's sooner rather than, than later, but uh, thank you for doing this and really wish you and your family up in Aurora and every and other parts of the country, uh, I would say a speedy recovery, but a, let's all get out of this together and keep on keeping on. I appreciate that, Jonah. I know you guys have been through it much worse in, uh, in, in Seattle and the Washington state area for the whole thing. So uh, same to you and your family and to everybody listening to this. Uh, we miss, we miss talking to you guys. We're still out there on the internet and on sports center now, but uh, we miss it a lot. And I, I don't know how long it's going to be, but uh, you're right. If, yeah, if I could say one thing on that just before I left, it's, it's funny. You sports people, I think this is hard because you realize where sports is in the world, right? When you're covering sports, it's the most important thing in the world, yeah. right? If you're, you, you're covering the Raptors on an NBA final run or something. It feels like there's nothing bigger. And that's good. That's the way you want it to be. It, but we remember in a time like this, the sports is an escape. And when it disappears like this, it, you, it feels so little. And, and you feel so little in the world because the thing that is you're living and that matters the most is suddenly just gone. And it matters not whatsoever. And I think that's what makes it hard for everybody in the business and everybody who's a diehard sports fan as well. So things will be back to normal. It'll take a while. But I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. But, um, uh, we appreciate more of you spending your time. I'll just say this. That is why I think it is so critical as to, and I'm not his biggest fan, what Roger Goodell is doing. I think having the draft, having free agency has provided people with hope. Uh, not directly, but I think the hope that things are actually going to be back where you're going to be cheering and actually hoping that your team literally kills the other team uh, is a good thing. And I think, uh, listen, I hear you, like in the grand scheme of things, no, it's not life and death, but that, that sliver of hope is important and it does, to a certain degree, define us as society. It matters and it's normalcy in our lives, right? Yep. It's the thing we all like to do. So, you know, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. We're all aware of that perspective wise, but it does matter in everybody's lives. So it bothers me when people say, well, sports is irrelevant. Well, it's not because it matters to people. And uh, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be back doing it again soon. Take care, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.